0: Well, hello everybody and welcome back to Internet Friends, a podcast for two friends who met on the internet, get together and talk about life. Um, I'm your host, Colleen Nielsen. And I'm Charlotte Turner. And uh, we are coming at you guys on Sunday slash Monday for Charlotte. And we've had a wild week. I think the whole world has.
1: Yeah, I think we're all a little bit emotionally drained. I think we're all just very tired (laughs) Um, but we all finally have a very good result in the U.S. and I think everybody is feeling a bit of relief
0: yes I definitely am relieved I cried like seven times yesterday after the election got called because I feel like this like pit of anxiety that was just this ball in my chest was finally released Mm. um but yeah, I was going to say like, we should start this off like we always do talking about what we've been watching, listening to and reading. But really, all we've been watching, listening to and reading is election results. Yeah, since for Tuesday. the most part.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I am going to just jump in and put a disclaimer. And if my voice sounds really like I just woke up, it's because I just woke up. Um, we're yeah, recording this early really in the early. morning <laughs> <laughs> because for we Charlotte. went to record it. For the last few days, but the election still wasn't called. Neither of us were in quite the right headspace. Um, But also we wanted to be able to wait until it was called so that we could just mention it. And then ultimately we decided that we're actually just going to talk about it in general for the pod today. Um, Just like the Kiwi and Canadian perspective on the U.S. elections. And why we even care so much?
0: We we thought potentially we might have an answer Thursday night. So we were going to record then. We didn't get an answer. Then we thought maybe potentially we were going to get one on Friday. Then we didn't get an answer on Friday. And then uh, first thing in the morning Saturday for um – charlotte and it was like i think literally like 9 a.m ish for me i woke up and i was like are you fucking kidding me there's still no results oh my god i even like posted a meme joking about it and within like five minutes after posting it the election results got called
1: and biden won pennsylvania yeah so sunday morning my time saturday morning your time
0: yeah, and yeah.
1: I texted Charlotte
0: like screenshots
1: being like, what a beautiful thing to get to wake up to for you. <laughs> yeah, because it was about three hours later after she sent them that I actually woke up and saw them. Yeah, yeah, it was um, – it's
0: been a, an emotional week, I think, for a lot of people. I think – Uh, I don't know. And I'm I'm curious if you thought this. I know a lot of my American friends thought that Biden was going to win by a landslide because that's what the polls were saying before the election. Mm -hmm. But that's the same thing that happened with Hillary. So for me, I was always skeptical. I actually went into it thinking Trump was going to win.
1: Yeah, I did, too. I was very aware that whilst all the left were coming out in, like, massive waves to try and support Biden and try and get Trump out, Um, that Trump supporters were still being loud and obnoxious and a lot of them were going to come out of the woodwork too because the U.S. has pretty low voter turnout rates normally, right? And I had to assume that it was at least a good chunk of people on both sides, so there had to be more Trump supporters to come out of the woodwork.
0: Yeah, I think it was like – It's the the largest voter turnout in U.S. history, like 65% or something actually turned out to vote, which is like record-breaking. And I think it was something like close to almost
1: 10 10 million votes more than ever before. It's so funny to me that 65% is like record-breaking for them too, because that's not super high. Is it? Really? I don't know. Um. Yeah, well, I mean
0: when when you've got a country that like relies on voter suppression to be able to actually have elections because that's like what basically it thrives off of. It's not that surprising. And a lot of people don't really like voting in general, and voting is a very long process. They don't usually give people the day off of work. It's it's not as um yeah it's not it's not as popular I don't think actually voter turnout in Canada is that high either
1: mm, I think we had pretty high voter turnout in New Zealand for the most recent one anyway I think it was like in the mid to high 70s let me let me look it up quickly yeah but I think we both went into it with a healthy dose of reality that it was very very possible that Trump was going to win it again it's like his supporters hadn't really changed that much there may have been some people who voted for him for the for the first time, who changed their minds. But ultimately there were a lot more people on the Republican side that were going to come out and actually vote for him. So I was not surprised but still bitterly disappointed the evening of the actual election day to see how many things had gone to Trump. And I was a little bit worried at that point. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, it it wasn't super surprising to me is all I'm saying.
0: Uh, voter turnout is between like 58 and 65% usually in Canada. Hmm.
1: Okay. So maybe it's just that in general, it's a little bit lower. Yeah. We're not very good at it here. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, I, I, I think that there was part of me that also realized that like the way the election results work, the states that were going to be the easiest to call were the ones that. Usually, lean red or lean blue all the time. It was the it was the swing states that were going to be the ones that we were going to have to kind of sit and wait on, and that's very anxiety inducing when you see the entire like middle and south turn red, mm. even though they don't. The middle doesn't actually hold a lot of electoral um, votes or electoral points or whatever. It yeah, it is a bit nerve wracking. I and then seeing how like all of the swing states at the beginning were leaning Trump, but I also was aware that like f- Trump built his entire campaign for the last month on telling his people not to mail in votes and to vote in person, whereas Biden and um, Kamala Harris's campaign was all about voting however you can. And because we're in the middle of pandemic, it made sense that most mail in votes leaned blue and in-person votes leaned red. So there was like part of me that was like, oh, it's only looking like this because they haven't counted mail-ins yet and it makes more sense that way. And I like, but it was very stressful for a while there.
1: Yeah. And as you were saying at the beginning there, it's like the polling came through and said, oh, Biden's going to win in a landslide. And I mean, I don't ever believe in polling. I think polling is all complete bullshit because how they get their information is not reliable to give you any indication as to what's going on ever Um, The polling in New Zealand before the election was complete bullshit. Um, And I don't listen to it because it's always wrong. It's always wrong Um, by a lot normally. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, like I remember that morning um, mum went and had a physio appointment and her physio was just like, I reckon Biden's going to win. And I was talking to mum about it. I'm like, "I, I, I hope he does. And I hope that enough people come out and support him. That he does win, but I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be a close race. And I think there's a real possibility that Trump could take it again. And I think the saddest thing about this whole thing is that it was a tight race.
0: Yeah, that's, I think, I think that was a really hard reality pill for a lot of um, my more liberal white friends that live in the States who have watched the uprise of the political movements happening, who have watched all their friends be Left leaning, everyone was like, "We need to be anti-racist. We need to solve this. We've got to take this election. We've got this. We've got this." And whatever. But if you if you surround yourself in circles of liberal thinking people, you're going to only hear a liberal thinking opinion. And I I've seen a lot of people who were like f- frustrated with seeing things like um, anti-racist work being like the top of the bestsellers list all summer long, or Um, seeing people post all their black squares, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is, is the people who were doing those things were already people who were going to vote for Biden.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there
0: was a lot of people who who didn't do that because they didn't believe it was real.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And those are the people who turned out for Trump.
1: Yeah, I just... Watching all those numbers come in, the thing that really blew my mind the most on the election day was just how close some of those states were. And, like, even in yeah. a lot of the very, like, dominantly red states, Biden was getting some, like, you know, decent vote amounts, but it was just overwhelmed. Georgia? I mean, Insane. what happened in
0: Georgia is incredible.
1: Yeah. I right? mean, the even if fact- it even flipped. <laughs> Even that um, he got so t- close to winning Texas. Yeah, he's. I think I. I do
0: think Tex, Texas hasn't flipped yet, but I do think every year they get closer and closer to flipping Texas, and I think that Texas in the next eight or ten years will flip.
1: Yeah, I. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but Philip DeFranco posted that he was going to get the state of Texas tattooed on his leg if it actually flipped because the polling had them. Um, neck and neck for Texas the days before and everyone was Mm. replying to his tweets being like well I live in Texas and I'm voting left and I know that a lot of people are planning on doing so maybe some who even haven't in the past so better beware Philly D (laughs) get get ready
0: but I do think like in general I I see a lot of people always shit on the South when they're talking about like what's wrong with the United States. They talk about Southern mentality, how the South is where the racists are. The South is where racism is still alive. The South is where a lot of the issues are. But that's not really true. If you look at the map, if you've got states like Arizona, Texas, uh, you've got something like Georgia almost flipping. Um, yeah, Florida was a bit of a mess, but Florida's always a little bit of a mess. But <laughs> the the part of the U.S. that never even comes close to flipping is the middle. It's it's the rural parts. It's the it's the Dakotas and the Montanas and the uh, like, Ohio, Kansas, like. Kentucky kind of area. And it's interesting to me, like some of those more rural farmer states are actually the ones that are more responsible for like being quite ignorant and quite um, sometimes uneducated. I know not everyone from those states are that. Please don't take it if you're from one of those states. But in general speaking, if you look at the maps, those are the ones that are so consistently read that like have no real swing to them whereas in the south people have been actively especially people of color have been actively working for the last 20 years to try and get these states to flip and now we're actually seeing it come to fruition
1: yeah which is kind of cool like georgia in particular i actually i feel terrible because i don't remember the woman's name but there's the the black woman in georgia who can be credited with like yeah, and credited with maybe getting 800,000 people to vote or something to that effect. Like I saw it just past my Instagram feed yesterday. Um, and like it's potentially because of her that Georgia managed to flip. And it's like, look at her putting in the hard work. She, she did that thing. That can be her, her thing that she can be so proud of this election.
0: Yeah, so her name is Stacey Abrams. That's right. And Stacey Abrams won, should have won her election by a line landslide um, a couple of years ago when she was I think she was running for the Senate. And because of voter suppression and um, the Republicans doing some shady shit, she ended up losing an election that should have been hers. And so what she did instead of running again is she said, well, fine, fuck you. I'm going to make sure that voter suppression never happens again. And she, yeah, she got 800,000 people to register to vote. She had thousands of volunteers on the days where they were starting to count the ballots going out to people's houses and being like hey your signature is invalid on this if you want to correct your ballot here it is let's fix it and was actively trying to help people get out and try and stop the issue of voter suppression so really the flip in Georgia is down to Stacey Abrams and she definitely deserves that credit because she just basically took a shitty situation and killed it
1: yeah and what a difference it actually made I mean look at the numbers pouring through. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, trickling yeah. through. They weren't pouring through. <laughs> they were coming through but real slow.
0: It, Yeah, so slow. Arizona still hasn't been called by the New York Times. Yeah, That's how slowly Arizona's counting.
1: Yeah. I think that a lot of them called it really early. And to be fair, it is probably going to go to Biden. But I think there's a couple of places that are trying to just be a little bit cautious about when they call it. Um, yeah. Just in case. I think that the the Times said something to the effect of, like, we're waiting for it to be outside of the margin of error for a recount before um, they call it.
0: Yeah, I think they were also saying how, like, they really needed – the majority of mail-ins to come in and because mail-ins are, they've only reported 86% of it. And Arizona uh, traditionally has a very high percentage of Republicans who mail in their votes, like from past elections that they weren't comfortable calling it because they had no idea if the the mail-ins that were going to come in, were going to be actually as Biden forward as the rest of the other swing states.
1: Yeah. Which makes sense as to why you would be a little bit conservative and a little bit cautious as to, um, What's going on with the numbers? Like, you would be careful.
0: Not that it really matters because he's still got Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Nevada. Yeah. And potentially Georgia. Georgia's already going to get a recount, right? Because the margin's so small. It's like less than 1%. Mm 0.1%, sorry, not even 1%. It's less than 0.1% difference. But.
1: Which is mental in and of itself.
0: It's. Oh God, nothing was more satisfying than waking up to seeing like Pennsylvania and Georgia flip on Friday morning.
1: Yeah. I think I was still awake when Georgia flipped. Cause I text you.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was just I like, was asleep. Yeah. I checked it. And then like an hour later I checked it and he was like 2000 over Trump. And I was like, Oh my God, it happened. Oh my God. Yeah. And I text Cole and then I went to sleep. And then I think Pennsylvania, flipped while we were both asleep and you woke up to both of them being flipped
0: yeah that it that was the first day like uh, see because he was a trump was ahead in pennsylvania and georgia and really everyone was relying on arizona and nevada for him to get enough biden to get enough electoral votes and nevada was counting so slowly everyone was posting the memes about it right and I was still quite anxious. I was like, we have no idea if Arizona is going to flip or not. We don't know if Nevada could flip red or not. Like it's still quite a tight race in both of those states. And, um, yeah, and it wasn't until waking and then Pennsylvania, like I said, Pennsylvania and Georgia were still red at that point. And that's when my anxiety on, I think my anxiety was at a peak on Thursday, When I was like, Mm -hmm. I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. And that's terrifying. But then waking up Friday morning, seeing the two states flip, I was like, you know what? No, I trust this process. I feel like I have a little bit of hope. It's still too close, in my opinion, in most of these states, which is terrifying. But like, I think we we might be safe. And then it got called on Saturday morning because Pennsylvania was called. And then I was like, oh, okay, thank God
1: yeah I think I was at my worst on actual election day which was Wednesday for us and obviously Tuesday for you guys um and I wasn't anxious necessarily I was just dejected I was really sad like it got to the Mm -hmm. end of the day and I felt really sad for the states I felt sad for all of those communities that were going to be completely screwed up by another term of Trump I felt sad that so many people voted for Trump again. It's like, how can you not see how terrible and horrible he is as a general person to be a leader? Um, and I was just, yeah, I was sad. I just got home and I was really upset and just, like, mentally drained and I had to catch up with some friends and stuff that I managed to, like, rouse myself enough to be able to do. But I was just, like, I was just gutted and disappointed.
0: Yeah, I, I it was pretty disheartening to see the popular vote being – in trump's favor on wednesday thank god Mm. it switched relatively soon and i think everyone knew in a it like at least in a subconscious or like they kind of half knew that we weren't going to get election results on tuesday right we weren't going to know on day one and not only that we knew that Trump voters were the ones who are more likely to vote in person. So we were going to see high numbers of Trump at first. It doesn't mean it wasn't disappointing. And I do think like I think that this was a really hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. I think this was one of those things where they really thought that like and it's crazy to me, too, because his approval ratings for his entire presidency have been lower than ever any president ever his approval ratings have been in the trash can for like such a long time and yet yeah and it's you know like it's just insane to me that even people even think that he's i don't know
1: i have to imagine that they're polling approval ratings in cities right because that's the easiest way to do it
0: oh probably
1: yeah because If you look at the map, if you click onto any of the states on the New York Times one, for example, like pretty much every city's voted blue, more or less.
0: Well, it's every every place that there's a major university, even in deep red states, you will see the the university counties will flip blue. It is Mm -hmm. statistically shown that people who are college educated, the people who have um, a college education will more likely vote blue than uh, red, even if. And and it's the the percentage is very high um amongst um people of color, like college educated people of color almost guaranteed are going to vote blue. It's something crazy like 80 or 90 percent. Mm. In um, white individuals, it's closer to like a 70-30 split. Um, but that's still better than the f the fifty-fifty that is amongst white people uh, that are uneducated.
1: Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And it's it feels like discounting people's opinions a little bit based on whether they're educated or not, making those kinds of calls. But it's, it is very prevalent and it is very real that this is kind of how it works, especially since the U.S. is so spread out. It's like you've got these massive pieces of land that have, like, no city for miles. And mm-hmm. it's, like, all very densely read through there. So you look at the map and that's exactly what it reflects. It's like, yeah. I suppose the next thing to bring up, though, and kind of a natural segue is why we as a Canadian and a New Zealander, neither of us partaking in or having to directly experience Trump really care about the U.S. election so much.
0: Yeah, well, I guess (laughs) – like for canada specifically like our entire economy is reliant on our trade and uh relations with the united states they are our number one trade customer they buy all of our oil they buy all of our supplies they buy everything that we do they're our number one customer so who president is and how they get along with our prime minister is essential for our economy Mm-hmm. first off but the big one is more so that 99 percent of our media comes from the u.s canada isn't producing that much media on its own and most of the stuff that we consume is from the united states and so when a president is president like trump and we saw this happen in the states but it trickles a lot down into canada too when he became president we saw an uprise in um Racial attacks. We saw an uprise in more radical right um, po- uh, politicians feeling comfortable to say certain things. I know Andrew Shear who was the um, conservative party leader um, in our 2018, 2018 election, 20, whatever our last um, federal election was, felt comfortable enough to say that he didn't believe in abortion, which would have never happened Mm -hmm. prior to trump being president and politicians learning that it's kind of okay to say things that are a little bit more radical right and also just on that i also have like a shit ton of family that lives in the states and so even though it doesn't directly directly affect me it does directly affect them it directly affects my bisexual cousin it directly uh, affects my friends that I went to school in the States with who um, are people of color that are experiencing these um, horrible things that are happening. So it, it, yeah, I don't know. It definitely affects us here in Canada.
1: Yeah. And it definitely affects you more directly than it does me. Um, I have the beauty of living on a little island in the middle of the ocean at the bottom of the world, um, which to our benefit is meant that we managed to get rid of COVID and like we have this little like tiny little pocket community down the bottom. But because we have Jacinda and because we have I a, a country that is engaged in all of this stuff, it's like the whoever's in charge in the U.S. makes a huge difference to just general relationships and trade and all that sort of stuff. But as you say, it's like we are as connected to all those places as you are in terms of media, in terms of the stuff that's coming out, in terms of the stuff that's ending up. And the newspapers all the time, the stuff on social media, everything. And you're right, all of that, like, very right-wing, the white supremacy, the, like, without putting, like, nuance into it, like, basically, like, woman-hating. <laughs> like, all mm-hmm. these horrible things coming down. And, like, I reckon it's one of the reasons that the mosque shooting in New Zealand even happened, that this white supremacist from Oz got the gall to come down and do what he did. Um, I know and you've seen it and I actually think, I was thinking about this a little while ago, I actually think that New Zealand came up and rallied for Jacinda so hard because they wanted to flex and fight against the rhetoric that was coming out of the States a little bit. I think that mm-hmm. that was a big part of why Jacinda won in a landslide. Um we mentioned it briefly, but with our political system, we have multiple parties and it's a system called MMP. Um, and normally you would form a coalition government of a couple of different parties and you would rule together and that would ha- be how you got your majority. Jacinda and the Labor Party got majority on their own. That's how many people voted for her. Um, mm-hmm. And so few people voted for like, our Republican equivalent, which is nowhere near as right wing. It's just like center right. Um, they yeah, had ours like, isn't either. Yeah, they had like 20 something percent or like high 20 percent or something of the votes, which was devastating for them. Um, but I think it's almost a reflection of how much New Zealanders kind of hated what was happening in the States. And that was because it was trickling out amongst the whole world. Like that mentality had started infecting everywhere. And you could see it was starting to uprise and people were talking about all these horrible things more and like the laws were changing in the states backwards. And like, it was just, it was horrible to say.
0: I I think that it is very ignorant for people to be like, well, it's not our country, so it doesn't affect us. Like Mm. in general, the United States is one of the largest superpower countries in the world, right? Everyone watches them. They are the pinnacle of what determines um, all of commerce is based off of, right? Everything is based off of the U S dollar. Every, every media outlet, everything that people consume in every country globally is typically at a certain percentage. U S media, the U S controls the majority of the film industry. It it controls so many aspects of what people see and people are constantly watching them because they are, in fact, a super powerful country, right? They People around the world are watching the U.S. because also they have one of the largest militaries in the world, right? Mm-hmm. They want to know what's going on. And when other countries see what's going on in the US. The US has always been something that people use an example. That's why you have things like Brexit that happened in the UK. The uprise in the right radical movement in the United States directly in, um, trickled down into the UK. You see it in Brazil with the uprise of their radical gov- um, right government that they have currently, right? There was a bunch these of stuff in like happening in
1: other parts of Europe too that started cropping up after Trump got elected, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, and uh, you see these things happen because people lean on the United States as a point, like as an example point, right? They, mm. they're they're the kind of like forerunners of what's happening in politics. They they determine how art commerce is doing. They determine how people behave, and they determine how people think as well. And it and there is a part of me that is glad. I I I need to phrase this very carefully, but part of me is glad that Trump was elected the first time because it had brought out a lot of these dirty racist skeletons out of the closet. Uh-huh. It was something that people was pretending didn't exist anymore that came out so vocally and so aggressively in our face that people couldn't deny that it was existing anymore. And I don't think any of the political uprisings that we've seen this year and even like I was watching Biden's accept, um, acceptance speech last night with Julian and Julian and I were sitting next to each other and we were like, I don't think I've ever in my entire life seen a president acknowledge systemic racism, acknowledge transgender and um, rights acknowledge um, racial injustice acknowledge that this is not a country just for one type of people that it's for all types of people and I had chills watching it last night because it was the first time that I heard a politician in such a powerful country acknowledge that shit was wrong Mm -hmm. you know and that wouldn't have happened if Trump didn't get elected. We wouldn't have made that progress if Trump didn't destroy everything and bring out all these dirty racists out of their closets. And so there's a part of me and I I don't know if it's glad, but like if there's any silver lining, I guess is more so what I'm trying to say of it. It's the fact that we were able to bring those issues straight into people's faces and people couldn't ignore that it doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Actually. I, I think that 2020 in general has been a lot of like, we've had some shit happen this year, but I ultimately think that even though it's happened, it has brought to light a lot of the things that we maybe want to change in the world in general. It has forced us to really confront some horrible stuff. But ultimately I think it means that we can actually move forward and improve things because it was such an intense thing that forced us to all sort of wake up and be like, okay, this is this is how the world is a bit. Let's try and see if we can fix it. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree. I think that Trump being elected was a big part of that awareness. And it's been interesting over the last four years just seeing the small things like, oh, I mean, they're not small really, but. Um, I can't even remember which states they are at this point because there's been so many ridiculous things that have been happening in the states that I lose track. Um, the ones that were um, recoiling on all of the ability to get an abortion to begin with. There was like a couple of states that started that and there was mm-hmm. ended up being only like one or two places that you could get an abortion in the whole state. And if you went out of state to do it, you could be fined criminally when you came back in. And That's been
0: happening. That's been happening for the last like few years. They've been really trying to roll back on abortion rates.
1: Yeah, and it's been expanding a lot. Like I can't remember which this which state was like the first couple to do it, but I remember listening to the daily um do they did like a very long special couple of episodes talking about it and going and like talking to the people who were still like offering them and people who were against it. I don't know. It was a really, really interesting set of stuff. And I was just like, how is this? how is this happening now? Like, why are you trying to control someone else's body? It doesn't affect you.
0: If it doesn't affect you, why do you
1: care? And it was like, when I started realizing that that sort of stuff was happening and I was just like, okay, this is just, there's like three more years. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: It's, (laughs) it's something that like genuinely, and, and I understand that this is partially because we come from, to very liberal countries in general. We uh-huh. have been raised in countries that had gay rights and had uh racial equality rights and had we were we were raised that women should be allowed to control their bodies and that people should be seen as equal. Doesn't mean our both of our countries don't have systemic racism also built into them. They definitely do. But it wasn't something that like we've never Abortion hasn't been an argument in Canada for years. Gay marriage hasn't been an argument in Canada for years and years and years, my entire lifetime, really. And so it's it's so hard for when you come from a progressive country in terms of socialism and just progressive in uh, yeah. Progressive and human rights to watch a country have the same fucking arguments over and over and over again. It's like, why? Why do you care? Like, why are we still discussing this and why have we turned our entire political system? And this is the thing that bugs me the most down in the States is their their argument between right and left has nothing to do with actual policy. It has nothing to do with tax reform. It has nothing to do with what the government is doing as a, what a government should do, it becomes an argument of, well, uh, race and religion and all of these basic human rights things that shouldn't even be a discussion in the first place. They've Mm -hmm. completely turned the Republican party into this radical right movement of we're anti-abortion, we're anti, um, everything. And we should be able to like pray to God and never have anyone be allowed to do anything if they're not white. Like, They've completely radicalized it to the point that no one can take you seriously anymore. And it Mm -hmm. shouldn't be like that. People should be allowed to have semi-conservative points of views in terms of taxes or in terms of anything to do in that realm. That's fine. But when you start to talk about human rights and being like, well... (laughs) No, I don't think women should have the right to control their bodies. Oh, no, I don't believe that black people shouldn't be shot by cops. When you turn it into that, then you just have ruined your entire like you just become like you're not legitimate anymore. No one can take you seriously as an actual thing, at yeah. least in my, my mind. I can't take you seriously at that point.
1: Yeah, I think that you should be able to believe what you want to believe, believe in what you want to believe in, so whether you're religious or not or whatever. Um, But as soon as you start impacting people around you and as soon as you start impacting other people, that's when it's a problem. It's like you live your life in the way that you want to live it. That's cool by all means. Mm -hmm. But if you are going to negatively affect the people around you, that is not your right to have that power over people. Like that's not okay to me.
0: It shocks me too. like so I have a family that lives in the States. Like I've explained to you before, my aunt lives down there um, and she like worked on Hillary Clinton's campaign when she was running. She is like a staunch Democrat, works at um, worked at Harvard in the Rape Relief Center, now works at MIT for like um, in the same kind of realm like she's she's a very radical left. But my grandma um who is no longer here uh when she remarried my opa my opa was uh very much so like radically right wing from germany and raised his kids who are my step aunts and my step cousins who I don't speak to really at all i maybe have seen them like 10 times in my entire life but um they are they are the definition of like radical right mm-hmm. And I try and have conversations with them, but it's and – and, and we've gotten in some rip-roaring fights. We have gotten into some absolute things. And there's a lot of ignorance on that side. A lot of them are not educated, not college educated. They were homeschooled by my aunt who was also a radical right Christian and have been – brought up in this kind of mentality. And it's really hard to like have a conversation with someone when they don't even understand what it is that they're talking about. And like a lot of Americans on the radical right don't even understand that socialism and communism aren't the same thing, that a socialist country, somewhere like Denmark that has built an entire socialist system can be quite effective and that it's not the same thing as a communist country, but Uh to them, socialism equals communism. And so the idea of the government helping anybody to do anything is ridiculous. And the irony of that is that the, the number one thing that they complain about the most is how they're so poor and how, um, How unfair it is that they're poor and that they're the they're the ones that have the the worst time in America because being lower class is the worst. And like but they don't even realize that if they had actually subscribed to socialism that they would get out of poverty.
1: Mm. I don't know. I think the general point being that the US election, whilst impactful, is also just interesting. Yeah. For all these reasons.
0: yeah, it's like it, it it's it, it definitely shows that like there's a flaw in their education system.
1: Oh my yeah.
0: Mhm. <laughs> like I a mean, lot of them don't even understand how the government works.
1: To be fair though, our education system doesn't really explain that to us either. That was information I had to seek out for myself.
0: Oh, really? We did an entire year in school about the things. We like had mock elections. We had to learn about all the different parties. We had to learn about where they stand. We had to take like quizzes to figure out where we lean on the political scale. We had to like, yeah, we they they taught us pretty thoroughly how how the government works when I was in high school.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of important. I think especially since you're about to release kids and like some of them in their final year of school will be able to vote um, depending on your election year. Um, I think it's kind of important that you explain to them how the system that they're about to enter into works. But I suppose that in a lot of cases that's kind of – the schools kind of expect their parents to take that kind of stuff on and teach their kids. But I don't know if that actually works well, so.
0: You know how – you know, like – so – some people might not know this listening to this if they're American or um, from either of our countries. But in Australia, voting is mandatory. Like by law, you mm-hmm. have to vote. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered what the political landscape would be like in the States if instead of relying on voter suppression to um, succeed in elections if voting became mandatory and instead of suppressing communities specifically communities of color which is um what is typically what happens in terms of voter suppression or um like and instead of not allowing like ex-convicts to vote or etc etc if they if they flipped that and they made voting mandatory what the um what the political landscape would be you know that like the republicans haven't won the majority vote in like years the only reason they have ever gotten in since i think it was like reagan is because of the electoral college that's insane to me
1: i didn't realize that they almost got rid of the electoral college in the 60s
0: yeah that would have been crazy
1: mm. and they didn't because you know voter suppression <laughs> yeah black civil rights movement all that sort of stuff like there was a reason yeah, they didn't and- do it but
0: there, there is something to be said about that like rural communities would then get their voices suppressed by larger city communities um, having more power in terms of voting. But at the same time, I don't know, Like, I like I get why people are like, well, that's if we if we switched it to where like it was based off of population, then all of those people on the rural communities would never get a say on anything. But like at the same time, I don't really want to give them a say on anything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sleeps McGee.
1: Yeah. I didn't sleep very well last night. I am anxious about having my teeth ripped out on Wednesday.
0: I think it'll be okay.
1: It'll be fine. And I know it will be, but I'm going under a general and I'm a little bit nervous.
0: God, I love general anesthesia. You know, my mom, when she gets dental work done, like not just like wisdom teeth or anything, but like when she does teeth cleanings or like cavities or crowns, her,
1: her dentist puts her to sleep. (laughs) Is it because, um, the stuff that she's getting done is always really uncomfortable for her or she just opts to a little bit of
0: both. Like Mm. when it makes her super anxious, uh, two, it's painful um Mm -hmm. for her she's got like pretty messed up teeth I definitely inherited that from her um and yeah you can just offer it but it costs more money like it's expensive but my mom's like yeah fucking put me to sleep it's like the best drug high ever she just goes to sleep she gets her crowns done or she gets her teeth pulled or whatever and then she comes out and she's completely fine how groggy is she afterwards oh it is hilarious Oh, my gosh. She always wants to go shoe shopping after. I always have to be the one who picks her up from the dentist. She always wants to go shoe shopping. She can't walk. She's like basically falling over. And I have to like shuffle her down the street because there's a shoe shop across the street from um, her dentist's office. And we have to go shoe shopping. And then she needs to go to the lingerie store. And then she has to try on a bunch of clothes and a clothing shop that she shouldn't be doing because she can't stand up straight. And I have to basically dress her in the dressing room. And she like says the funniest things. It only lasts like an hour or so usually and then and then by the time I, I've like fed her and kind of like gotten her through it then she kind of chills out and then she kind of comes back to adorable but for that hour it's always so funny
1: mm. I was slightly worried I've got my brother picking me up and he'll take good care of me um mm-hmm. but yeah I'm a little bit worried about it I'm just worried about how uncomfortable I'm gonna be more than anything just because I, I hate being like uncomfortable and miserable it's just it's gonna be yuck. yeah yeah
0: when I got mine done, I like my whole mouth was numb for like the rest of the day, basically. So i had like big chick cheeks. And like the only cre- like I wasn't saying anything weird. I wasn't like being all funny like some of those people in the videos. The only thing that really happened is like I got a little bit too confident thinking I could feed myself. And so I like was trying to eat my soup. I was eating like tomato soup and I like fully thought that it was like going in my mouth and I was completely fine until like someone came in and found me with like tomato soup all over me because I wasn't actually getting it in my mouth because my mouth was numb. Mm. And so I had to get fed for the first day. Like someone had to help me eat. And then but then by the next day, like my teeth were a little bit sore, like it hurt to eat things, but they weren't like I'd had braces already for years and braces was more painful than how my teeth felt after that.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes me feel a
0: little bit better. Yeah. Mm. Like braces sucked. When you got your braces tightened, it would be like a week of not being able to eat. Anyone who's had braces would know this. Like it sucks and it's painful. And especially when they have to tighten things or they have to like put certain things in like braces is so uncomfortable, but my wisdom teeth, like I competed in a, um, like a musical theater competition where I had to like sing and dance five days after getting my wisdom teeth out singing. That's that's with like a chipmunk face. So, if I could do mm. that, I think you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, I've never had braces, so I don't know what that's like. <laughs> oh God, braces suck. Yeah, I yeah. just have very. I'm I'm very proud of how perfect my teeth are. <laughs> yeah, they're they are very straight and have never had braces. It's a blessing. Oh, I had an. Um, I had an underbite as <clears> a kid,
0: <throat> so I had a retainer. Um, for like four years, and then they fixed my underbite and overcorrected it. So I had an overbite at that point. So when I got my braces in, they had to put a shelving unit basically behind my two front teeth to stop me from biting off my braces on the bottom teeth until they could correct it back into being like a normal bite. And then I, yeah, I had braces for from like grade six to grade eight or nine. I think it was three years, so it probably would have been grade nine. Um, and it was, yeah. And then I got my wisdom teeth out right afterwards, and then I've had a retainer ever since. But then I lost it, and now I've got crooked teeth again, and I have to get Invisalign. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh my god! Why are we talking so much now? Have you had coffee yet? No, but yeah, that's why. No, I haven't. I haven't had anything yet. I literally woke up, went to the bathroom, and then sat down to start recording this. Like I've that's done dedication. nothing. That's dedication. I know you could have gone and made a coffee. I I have to have a shower and get ready for work now. Uh, so that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I was like, I'll yeah. just get. I'll just get a coffee when I get to work. But yeah, I'm feeling properly snoozy. I yeah, I didn't sleep very well because of my of my feeling anxious about Wednesday. So. It'll be a rough yeah. day. I might need multiple coffees today, but we'll anxiety, get
0: through it. Anxiety has been
1: at an all-time high. Oh, did I tell you that we, we've we
0: gone back into lockdown here? Oh, no, you didn't. What? Yeah, so as of, as of literally um, 10 p.m. last night, we're not allowed to have anyone over to our houses and you're not allowed to go over to anyone's houses. You are restricted from being able to see anyone that's outside of your immediate family because <sighs> cases have gotten too high here how locked down are you
1: you're still going to work
0: yeah like work still works Uh, like they're they're basically saying you're not allowed to see anyone you're not allowed to do anything besides go to work and go home because they're trying really hard to keep our economy going and keep people from losing their jobs so the government doesn't have to keep giving everybody paychecks Mm. and so people yeah you're just not allowed to have anyone over to your house anymore so It kind of sucks. We've never really been like, it's weird because we've never actually gone into lockdown here. Like this is basically the strictest it's ever been. And this is what like they did at the very beginning too. Um, It's just people are allowed to work depending on what their office is determining. Um, Like you're not allowed to go to yoga classes or anything anymore too. They've shut those down. They've shut down um, taxis and limousines and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, we're not allowed to see anybody. So before we were allowed to see up to six people, but they, I think the thing is, is like when they told you, you could have up to six people over, they, they were pretty clear that they said you should be saying, sticking to the same six people always. So it meant you could expand your bubble to six people who don't live at your house, but it was supposed to be the same six people every Mm -hmm. time. A lot of people were ignoring that little like sub part of it. And we're just seeing a different group of six people every few days. And so community transmission has skyrocketed and we're basically back to what our cases were like back in March. And so they were like, if you can't listen to the rules, then you're not allowed to see anybody. So we're not allowed to see anybody for the next three weeks. Three weeks. Did you say? Yeah. Well, minimum that's Mm -hmm. they're saying like tentatively. Mm Hmm. So I get you on the whole anxiety thing. It's stressful. Yeah.
1: Well, when we went into second lockdown again, my anxiety was terrible for like three or four days until I settled into it and started feeling kind of okay again. Like the transition into into and out of lockdown is actually really stressful.
0: Yeah. It's hard because like, I know that our bubble has been listening, like ever since March, we've we've literally only seen the same six people. Mm -hmm. Everyone picked one person that we were allowed to see and we've been, we've been very strict with it and we were very good with it. And it's frustrating because that little bit of comfort that we had, like at least we could have like semi-social interaction is getting taken away again, which sucks, but I'm really lucky that I live, um, with a really big family and that we, so at least I'm not like all alone in my own apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've got people that I live with, so it's not so stressful, but it's just, it's stressful seeing, you, you can see that we're kind of like falling back into this, which we knew was going to happen in, during flu season, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, we got off relatively unscathed during winter, really. Yeah. That's so. the
0: benefit of living on a tiny island with no shared borders anywhere and mm-hmm. yeah, no major yep. airport. Right? like your airport is not a, a typical transient airport between yeah, it's different a final airports dis-
1: it's a final destination <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> people, aren't, people aren't <laughs> people aren't having a layover in Auckland
1: <laughs> no and if they are it's just because they're going further south
0: yeah it's it's not a yeah I don't know yeah I'm over it I'm so over it I'm just glad though that the election is over too because like that was, I think everyone in the shithole that 2020 has been was like, I swear to God, if this ends with the cherry on top of Trump getting reelected, then like, fuck this year. I don't even know why I've done this. And so at least we've been able to have like one semi positive come out of this year. And yeah. at least maybe it means that the US government will actually start taking COVID seriously, which means they might be able to get it managed sooner, which means maybe the US border and Canada's border can open up again and I can go to my fucking P.O. box and pick up my 72 packages. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wow, Cole. But
0: you know Um, what I mean. No, I do. It's very selfish, but.
1: (laughs) As I was, I was just thinking about that before. It's like, that's one of the other reasons that the US election has been so important to so many people is just us watching America burn during COVID. Yeah, because like
0: the whole world is, the whole world opening up again relies on the US getting their shit together.
1: Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, there's definitely a lot of other countries that don't have it under control either. Like the UK definitely doesn't have it under control because they yeah. had the what is it the dying out to help out or whatever scheme it was. <laughs> it's like, yeah. guys, no, they
0: have they have not they have not managed COVID very good in the UK. But it's because of who their prime minister is, which yeah. only happened thanks to Trump's uprising, in my opinion. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just very thankful
1: that my country was smart enough to vote in Jacinda again.
0: Yeah, and I, I, you know what, candidate, I I feel very lucky to live where I am. We've never gone into a full lockdown. I've never been, like, told I'm not allowed to leave my house. I've never had, like, any of those kind of issues. So, in general, um, I'm doing pretty lucky. But I'm just, it just, yeah, it would be really nice to see so many people stop, like, losing their life done in the states like they've got over 200 deaths like that's that's insane that should have never happened
1: yeah and it's particularly hard for you guys i think that we got thrown into a lockdown because there was a real chance that we could eliminate covid out of the country but i don't think you ever were because it wasn't realistic that that was ever an option for you guys one because you have a border with the states and there's still freight stuff happening there but also because mm-hmm. the rest of canada was already Fucked right, fucked. like because there are so many of the other provinces were t- terrible. Yeah, I think and you that- can't
0: legally, you can't legally shut down like uh, provinces, right? Like people, people in Canada have like the legal right to travel between provinces. Your government can tell you that we strongly suggest you don't come here, and people who were coming from other provinces were getting their cars smashed because people were angry that they were coming into BC when they shouldn't have been. But in general like they can't they can't shut down cross canada flying they can't c- tell people they're not allowed to go within their own country and so it's it was it's physically impossible to put the entire country we're so big right mm. and it's it's not really fair to tell people in the yukon that they have to not leave their house because montreal has fucked up when they're like on opposite ends we're the one of the largest I, I know russia's bigger than us in size but we're the second largest country in the world mm-hmm. we we like it takes six and a half hours to fly across our country
1: yeah whereas so, in new zealand during um one during lockdowns you weren't allowed to do the first lockdown you weren't allowed to travel at all so you weren't allowed to travel mm-hmm. throughout the country because everyone was locked down in their homes um the second lockdown where only Auckland was locked down you weren't allowed to travel in and out of Auckland at all so they did lock down Auckland and Mm -hmm. stop travel in and out because they knew that if they didn't then they ran the risk of the whole country getting it so they locked Auckland down for like three weeks but that's the beauty of having a small country is that they have the ability to do that kind of stuff without it being a complete and utter administrative clusterfuck basically
0: Yeah. And I've also seen like a lot of studies coming out and like saying that, like what like questioning whether or not even full lockdown is the best long term plan Mm -hmm. and whether or not it's more of a short term um, gain, long term pain versus not going into a full lockdown, but doing semi lockdown is a long term or uh, like it's more like long term pain. But no, sorry short term pain long term gain mm. if you know what i mean right so yeah we're going to be stuck in this but herd immunity is way more likely to occur and be something that is going to happen here versus somewhere that went into a full lockdown that every single time a plane comes in they get fucked over again and have to start from scratch until a vaccine comes out and so i was like reading studies about it and like i don't think anyone really knows necessarily what the best thing is and no, no because this has never happened before yeah. And it's just – every every country's just trying to do their best. And some countries aren't really trying to do their best. But at least we're coming – we come from countries that are trying to do their best. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what I, – all I know is I'm not allowed to have any friends over for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine. It's not like I do any, much anyways. I don't have that much of a social knife. It will be really good for me to work on my new sweater that I'm making and <laughs> – I'm going to take a stab at yarn dyeing this week. I got all my supplies in. I've got dyes. I've got bare yarn. I've got a pan. I've got some tongs. I got everything set. So nice. yeah, it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you'll yeah. be okay. It, it's easier if you can work from home, which you've got projects that you can do as well, which will keep you busy mentally. So at least you yeah. won't be sitting at home twiddling your thumbs.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I think we should maybe wrap this guy up because mm-hmm. we are right at the one hour mark on the dot.
1: Yeah, and it is 8.30, which means I still have to have a shower and then get in the car and race to work. <laughs> yeah. So well, I have to get really I ho- quickly. I hope that
0: everybody is safe and they're doing well and that mm. they are feeling relieved that the election is over. I know that we are and we don't even live in the States, so I'm sure any of our American listeners are, like, very, very um, relieved. And this is just the beginning because there's a lot of work to go from here. This is just mm-hmm. one step towards making the u.s sort their shit out at least it's one step
1: yeah it's a big one too it's a very big step Mm -hmm. oh actually we should probably point out i don't know when we're going to record the next one i'm hoping that we're still that i'm going to be okay to talk through a pod but the next one we do will be post-op for me so yeah
0: that's a good point it might be late is basically what we're saying.
1: It might be late. We'll do our absolute best. We're trying very hard to stick to a schedule, but I will be full chipmunk mode when you see me next. or hear from me next.
0: Yeah, it'll you'll be it'll be
1: you'll be okay. I promise. Uh, I'm I'm sure I will be. I'm just nervous. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all we'll right talk guys. to you guys next week. Bye. See ya.